Thank you, Leslie and Paul. It's good to see <laughs> the few of us here today. <laughs> there was a, <clears throat> I haven't told this story in a while, but maybe this would be a good time to do it. There was a, there was a um, Sunday morning and there was a blizzard in Wyoming. And the pastor was there and one other guy just kind of barely got through, trudged through the door, you know, and, you know, and they visit for a little while and he says, well, what do you think? Should I give the, give the message? And he said, you've prepared it. We, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll get her done. So, so the, <laughs> the lone gentleman sat down and I mean, this guy let her rip. I mean, it was, whew, it was, it was a whole deal. And he said, well, what do you think? He said, pastor, he said, uh, if we have one cow just show up, we don't give her the whole load. <laughs> We don't feed her the whole load, so so maybe we'll just <laughs> so I'll see how we did today, right? <laughs> At any rate, let's take our Bibles um, this morning. And last week we um, we were in Luke chapter 24, and uh, I think we'll we'll read this passage. We're probably going to go to the parallel passage that's we'll find in Matthew as well. Um, but Luke 24, and remember last week uh, he had been with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus and, uh, and then actually met up with the other disciples in Jerusalem and they were in the upper room, the 11 of them. And uh, what, a, what, a, what a privilege that they had to see Jesus in a resurrected body. And literally as those two disciples of Emmaus, the scriptures were open to them and they said there was a burning in their heart. Okay? And, and it's interesting, the time frame, what we're going to read here, beginning at verse 44, it almost seems as such that we're, we're going to be picking up the reading just subsequently. It's like right after Jesus had eaten that, remember that broiled fish, and a honeycomb uh, in the presence of the disciples in the upper room a, behind a locked door in Jerusalem. And he goes into this. But when we go back to Matthew, we'll find this is actually a period of time later, sometime during that 40 days um, between his resurrection and his ascension. But the point is, as Luke is trying to make, is we also find that Jesus opened the scriptures to the disciples. This is where their eyes literally were opened to what the Old Testament taught about the very same things that the road to Emmaus and the two disciples. So let's go, let's begin reading now. At verse 44, we'll read through verse 49, and then, uh, then we'll pray, and we're going to go back to Matthew 28 as well. But here we go. Uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 44. He said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the Scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And may God add a special blessing to reading of his word. And let's just pause for prayer prior to our study. Father God, we're here in your presence. You are here amongst us today, Father, and how could we be more joyous in having our Creator, a supreme majesty, a sovereign God, loving and caring enough for us to rejoin us to yourself through the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, who was born, lived 33 years, 
was handed over to the religious priests, those leaders that turned him over to the Romans to crucify him. And as he said, it is finished. You said, I am satisfied. You proved it by raising him from the dead on the third day. And now we find here, Father, that he's instructing, he's encouraging, and if you will, he's passing the baton of what's the most important thing that you've ever wanted to be done in mankind's history in the future. This Jesus Christ, the one that's risen from the dead, is now climactically engaging in the most important thing possible for a Christian and for the church. Father, lead us in these moments right where you want us. Allow us to see you intimately. Allow us, Father, to know more about you. May we see you more clearly than ever. Thank you for your word, for the power of the word. Now take it and use it through the exclusive power of the Holy Spirit. We ask for him and he alone to teach. As Jesus, even in those last hours of time that he spent with his disciples, told them that the Comforter would come. He must leave so the Comforter would come. Father, we will depend on the Comforter today. Thanking you in advance for what you accomplish in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. As we've read Luke 24, we'll also be going back to Matthew chapter 28 as we go along. As we think about where we've come, we've been using Mark primarily as our focus. He was, Mark is very to the point. He's very concise. There's no fooling around. He's right on it. Uh, we've seen Jesus have exhibit unbelievable power over everything imaginable that is really on planet Earth and beyond. Was there anything that Jesus failed to exercise his magnificent power over? No. There's really nothing left. Uh, the final was death. The disciples, of course, were, they blocked that out. Who would want to talk about the Savior's suffering? It was part, even though those two disciples, in which I believe we read that already now in Luke chapter 24. He opened the scriptures. There was a supernatural component to that. But think, just think ahead. I'm just running. There's so many things going on in my mind right now. So hopefully this makes some sense when we're done today. That is why we're trusting the Spirit to lead us and guide us. But think of just a fisherman, an old fisherman by the name of Peter in a place in Jerusalem at a place of which Pentecost was taking place. Just an old fisherman. And he got some stuff right. God asked him, or I'm sorry, Jesus, Jesus asked him, who do you say that I am? And in Matthew 16, he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Perfect answer. Bravo, Peter. But he got a lot of stuff wrong, right? I mean, it, he did better on multiple test questions where there was two and one was obviously wrong. <laughs> he did a lot better on those. But honestly, when you take a look at that short sermon of which Peter preached, several instances he used Old Testament scripture fulfillments speaking about Jesus Christ. Where do you think he got that? Right there. Those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, that Bible conference of which they were engaged, that burning in their heart, I'm convinced, 
this time, those, the, the, the apostles, I'm going to call them the apostles, those that had seen Jesus Christ after his, his resurrection, literally they would have received an enhanced seminar on the Bible. The Old Testament became alive to them. They finally saw who Jesus was. He would, oh yes, he was a victor. He's coming. There's a triumph. There's a king. But prior to that, the loss would have been the heart of man. The seeking of man. Now that was God's, you know, why did Jesus come to earth? Why did he come? Yeah, that's Luke, that's right where I was going to go. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Let, let's turn there for a moment. We're already in, uh, well, I'm in Matthew, but you guys are in Luke yet. Turn to uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 10. In the, very, in the very book we're working on, Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. We'll start in verse 9. Now, guess who's, who he, who he said, remember little Zacchaeus? The guy that's so short, he gets up in a tree, and, and Jesus says, I wasn't, I wasn't vertically challenged, but not you, Pete, not you, not you. No, sir, it's Zacchaeus. I think he was a wee little man, remember that song, right? Okay. And Zacchaeus, it says, verse 8 of 19, Luke chapter 19, And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man for, with, by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. That is exactly why Jesus Christ came. In fact, let's go back to Luke chapter 1 and verse 77. Luke chapter 1, verse 77. And I'm, I know I'm picking in a verse, but as you're turning there, uh, if you remember John the Baptist, Elizabeth, his mother, and his father was whom? He was a priest. Started with a Z. Just about, what did you say? Zacharias. Okay, and Zacharias, um, in his disbelief, was actually, couldn't speak. They asked him what his name would be, and he writes because he was speechless, and he wrote, his name is John. We'll find that in verse 63, and they marveled. And beyond that, it says in verse 64, and his mouth was opened immediately. He could speak, and his tongue loosed, and he spake, and praised God, and fear came on all that dwelt round about them, and all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Now that, that wasn't normal business. If, you're, if you've trusted Christ as Savior, you have the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 9, it says, If you do not have the Spirit of Christ, you have not, He is none of yours, but you work it backwards. The Holy Spirit takes possession of you when you trust Christ. You've been bought with a price. He does not trade. He does not sell. He does not barter what is his. Now, Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, jumping ahead, look at something in verse 77. Verse 76, we'll build it. Verse 76, same chapter, Luke chapter 1. And thou, this is his prophecy coming from the Holy Spirit that he's filled with. Thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. To give knowledge of salvation unto his people. What is that? By the remission of their sins. 
That's salvation, the forgiveness of sins. That's why Jesus Christ came. That literally is the only reason he came. Now let's think about a church, even this little church. You can think big church, small church, any church. But I've just described you just the place. A church is really the living people, right? It's those that have trusted Christ. That's the church. But let's think about that then, the living organism of which Christ is the head. What is our focus? What is our motive? What makes us come? What makes us do? What is it that drives us? What should it be? Excuse me. The Holy Spirit is certainly within us. What is our motive? Where are we going with that? Where where is the Spirit leading us? To glorify God. Exactly right. To glorify God. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. That one needs to be in your notes. That one should just pop right out of your head. Everything you do or say should be done to the glory of God. Everything. There's a lot of, sometimes we have to screen that. I have to ask myself, what am I, what am I really doing? Is, it, is, it, is, there, is, is God getting the glory from this? Is there a way to do it? Now, when you're in the middle of a cow thing and it's 20 below, I don't know about that. <laughs> I remind God a lot that they're his. And I'm doing my best. But you know what? When we do it to his glory... When we do it to his honor, everything can be received that way and done that way. But let's move on. That's our motivation. That's our motivation. What's our mission? What's our mission? What's the church's mission? Proclaim the reconciliation that God has given us. And that is? The forgiveness of our sins, our salvation. And? As ambassadors for Christ, that's what we proclaim. And going where? To him. No. You got it from him. You're going to the rest of the world. Oh, I see what you mean. Right? The mission of. Yeah, the mission. Where's the mission, right? In fact, now let's go. Let's go to Matthew chapter 28. Let's go to Matthew 20. Because this should be our mission. And aptly stated, I'm just, where is it? It's out there. Now, it's amazing how much time we spend in church. Now, this is not, these things are not wrong. But the point of the matter is, have you ever so much got lost in the trees that you don't know you're in the forest? That's what happens to, it can happen to anyone. It can happen to us individually. It can happen to us in churches. We'll spend a lot of time on fellowship, koinonia, which is very precious. The intimate fellowshipping between, and even between us and God. Think of Adam and Eve prior to sin. Was fellowship important? (laughs) You better believe it. It was God's idea to walk in the afternoon with Adam and Eve. Isn't that great? Yes. So we talk about fellowship. We'll talk about biblical teaching. Anything wrong with that? Of course not. Of course not. Uh, Paul was so good about saying you have to think right before you can live right. How many people are trying to live right without thinking right? That does not work. If you don't try it at home, it will hurt you. And to get thinking right, you have to have doctrine right. Doctrine's a big word, but just means reality, truth. That's what it is. It's reality, truth. And truth and reality match. But if you don't have the right doctrine, you certainly can't have the right thinking. If you don't have the right thinking, you can't have the right living. Anything wrong with that? Of course not. But that's not our mission. Fellowship is not our mission. In other words, if if both of those were, we should go home with Jesus right now. That's the best fellowship. That's the best teaching. That's awesome. Why are we here? We have a mission. 
Think of any other aspect of Christian living, relationships with families, with other church members, our, I'll say believer relationships. All of those are very good. Nothing in the world wrong with them. But if we lose focus of really literally what Jesus Christ, now what he's doing, have any of you run uh, uh, relay races in former years? Okay. A long time ago. Yeah, it's been a couple years, Linda, a couple years. Okay, okay. Now, what's important when you have a relay race is, is there something that you have to take with you from the previous runner? If you fail to take that with you, I think they disqualify you, correct? You lose. That's all I know. Whether You've lost because you haven't taken what was necessary to continue to finish the race. Jesus right now, climactically, think of all of those lessons, all of those times we've been together here in this place, particularly all of those in the Passion Week. All that Jesus Christ went through, all of those things that literally elevated to the level and now he's risen again. And it's not just completing the book. It's not the end of Luke or Matthew or Mark or John. No, the climax is he's literally taking now everything that he's died for and he's passing it on to these apostles, these disciples saying, you now take this and go to the rest of the world. Whoa, that's heavy, isn't it? That's exactly what he's doing. He's passing the baton. How many times have we dropped it? How many times are we not even looking for it? Have you ever, I, I, I you know, now what, what if the runners, now he might be the fastest runner on the team. He or she, I'm sorry, I'm not sexist here. And they're running, and they don't care about the baton. They are just going to take their leg of them, and they are going to burn the track up. That's some like sometimes churches. They just go off on a tangent, and they just preach the Word of God without having any mission whatsoever at the end. That is less than effective. We've missed the mission. Right? I'm thinking about, you know, there's just almost every career, there are things you can get and become engaged in, immersed in, but it's not the deal. <laughs> How about if those astronauts would have gotten in a spaceship and forgot where they were going? It's not them, but the people that were programming it. Oh, shoot. We, oh my goodness. Well, have a good trip. We don't know where you're going. You know what? Sometimes it's aimlessly how we are going through the Christian life, isn't it? It really is. Jesus wants very clearly that the disciples understand this mission. So let's go back to uh, Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28. Let's take, a, take a, let's take a look. Verse 16 of Matthew 28. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee. Oh, that is interesting. We're actually going to find the very first thing in having a completion of a mission. It's right here. Now, did you see that? How far is Gal? Learn me. I didn't ask you before, but you, could you throw up um, the map up on the board of, of Israel? So let's think about this now. Where, where was Jesus uh, crucified? He was in Jerusalem, correct? Okay. Hanging on a, on a cross outside of Jerusalem. We've looked at that. He's buried. He's risen again. The tomb was where? They didn't. It wasn't a cross-country burial. It was literally right there. Just literally, from the crucifixion site to the burial place was really close. And it was important because God planned it that way because somewhere, somehow, remember that? that that's where we were using that word uh, providence. How God providentially in those three hours, wait a minute, Jesus is about to be dead. We've got to have him in the grave today. When In three hours, it's over. 
How are we going to get this figured out? We don't even have anybody that's risen to the table. I'll go ahead and submit my burial place for Jesus. None of that had happened. But all of a sudden, out of the blue comes Joseph of Arimathea, who was what? A disciple of Jesus. You can find it in 2757, I think, of Luke. There he is, right? Isn't that cool? Works out. Now, where was I going? I lost track. Oh, yeah. So everything's in Jerusalem. He's appeared now, post-resurrection uh, body, to several times, actually, to the women, to Mary Magdalene, to Peter, and to the disciples that evening, and to those, remember, on the road to Emmaus. But let's, as, uh, as we go, let's go, uh, let me see if I can find, yeah, okay, we're in Matthew. Just take a look. Just step back a moment into verse 7, uh, Matthew chapter 28 and verse 7. Now, he's speaking to Mary Magdalene. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, verse 7, and behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him, lo, I have told you. That's cool. And he says it to several others. The message was, go to Galilee, to a mountain, which he pointed out. And you say, okay, that's cool. Verse 16 says again, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. Everybody knows where Jesus is appointing them. All right? Verse 17, And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now that's a place to end, right? But actually it's the beginning. That story is still being told. It's being unfolded even this moment. Right? Praise God. So, okay, here's our map. Thank you, Laramie. Um, so if we think about this for a moment, Jerusalem, right here, that's where the crucifixion, that's where the burial, that's where the resurrection took place. Um, if you see Emmaus, isn't that cool? A little town's right there. They were on that journey. That's where the Bible seminar took place in that seven-mile jaunt. I, would, I wanted to be on that one. I'm not a great walker, but I would have walked on that one, right? I would have liked to have went to that deal from Emmaus. And then those guys just turned right around, went whoop, right back, jumped in, the, you know, pounded on the door. Hey, you guys won't believe this. Oh, yeah, yes, yes we will, because Jesus appeared to Peter, and let us tell you about that. And just as they started talking, Jesus shows up in that room. Just walks, well, just through the wall, right? And it's really cool, because he, he had a body. They could touch, remember, remember Thomas? He put his hand in his side. He put his hand in the fingerprints. And they said, my Lord and my God. I don't know how that works. But if I go through with my flesh and bone through that wall, I'm not going to get through there. And if I do, it's going to hurt. Jesus, boom, he's right there. He has a body. You can touch it. You can feel it. But that's in Jerusalem. Where's Galilee? Well, it's going to take a little bit of time to go up into Galilee. Now, which mountain it was, I don't know. But they did. You know the key to completing a mission? Last week, um, I don't think it happened for this reason, but there's a young man that I've had employed for a while. And uh, on Friday, he showed up at 11 a.m. Normally, it's, 
you know, we, we don't fix on times because, you know, you don't know about this place, right? But generally, you know, eight to five, which for us is, that's like a half a day. So he comes for a half a day. I, kidding, sort of, but not really. Right? You know, our schedule lately has been crazy, but at any time, you know, sort of that 7.30, 8 o'clock-ish and 5, 6-ish you leave, right? Okay? And paid by the hour, we're not asking anything else. So he shows up at 11. No call. On Saturday, showed up at 1 p.m. No call. Last Sunday, I finished here, get in my feed truck and go off there, and he's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Now he gives two week, they, they're asked to give two weekends per month, okay? I'm not doing real well right now. Irritated a tick. And so I'll, knowing he's about to leave at five or so, I called and I said, where are you at? And he said, well, I'm feeding this group of cows. I said, let's meet at the shop. We've got a few things to discuss. So he comes and I said, okay, I said, uh, I, you know, call him by name. I said, you were here at 11 o'clock? Friday, one o'clock on Monday, uh, I'm sorry, on Saturday and two o'clock today. Do you have a personal problem? And you've not contacted me, not called me, not, you know, know nothing. Is there something that's troubling you? Is there something that's, do we have a problem? No, I'm just late. I said, we have a problem. And what I want to, and I did, I commended him. I, I ended up firing him. I just, you know, he just, he said he was seriously overworked. And he could have pulled anything else out of the book. Anything, but don't go there. Don't go there. Right there. <laughs> anything else. And here's a young man. And this, fit, this fits here because I thought of it this morning as I'm preparing. And I commended him. I said, you have a talent, a gift, an ability that I can't teach you. I don't even know if you know it. But our team can see when you're in cattle, they're comfortable around you. They actually, they like you in them. Sorting, you're a hand. And I don't think you've done a lot of it. It's a natural ability. But there's something that's more, and I didn't say this now, this is to you. The most important ability is availability. And I said, son, I said, for you to re even get to a new level of which I said, you have an unbelievable skill. You have an unbelievable talent. But until you have a passion, a passion, to make it available. I can't do anything for you. Isn't that true? Yeah. As sad as it was, and we kept him on longer than we should have, honestly, because of the ability that he had. But the worst ability to lose is availability. So now let's think now, keeping that in mind. And by the way, pray for that young man. I'm not going to name his name. I gave, he said, I, you, know my, you know my phone number. I'm, I really care about you. Call me day or night. I'm right there. Right? So here we are. We're down here in Jerusalem. And where were they going to go? I don't know. But he said, Galilee. Meet me at a mountain in Galilee. Most important thing in completing a mission is availability. Do you know how much of this message they'd have got if they stayed in Jerusalem? None. None. Show up. Go ahead. The Holy Spirit, yeah, there would be something, but then that's going to be back in Jerusalem. These guys did some traveling, didn't they? What do you think they were doing on their traveling? 
talking about the things that, pe that Jesus would have unfolded in the scriptures. They were like reviewing the Bible scholarship program, seminar. But exactly right. The Holy Spirit would come in Pentecost, and where was that going to be? In Jerusalem. That's where they got the Holy Spirit. That's where it really got interesting, right? Yep. For a Pentecost, yeah. No, I mean, no, 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 the timing of that. In other words, let's, let's go back to our time frame, okay? Friday evening, between 3 and 6, Jesus is put in the, he's put in the grave. That's in Jerusalem, right outside of Jerusalem, okay? Probably north. Then he's there for parts of three days. Because if it was three seventy, if it was seventy-two hours, a full three days, then that would have made him risen the fourth day. Scripture doesn't say that. It says he rose the third day, parts of three days. Okay. So then Saturday he's in the grave all day long. Sunday, beginning at six o'clock p.m. for us, be six p.m. Saturday actually begins their 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 Sunday, if you will. Somewhere early morning, before before it got light, there was an earthquake. And the guards that were, that's really cool. I'm so glad the Roman guards were there to prove that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. What a deal, right? So he raises from the dead. That day is the day that the two disciples are running, are going to Emmaus. It was that afternoon because they said to Jesus, in fact, let's go there. Luke chapter, uh, let's go back to Luke for a moment. Let's just revisit that. Luke chapter 24. And da, 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 da. Let us go to, where does it say it at? That'll put us in, let's, let's just go to 13. That talks about where I'm going to go. And it says, Behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three squared furlongs. What same day? The same day that literally Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. This is Sunday, okay? Now, go down to where Jesus is acting like he doesn't know what in the world that they're, what their problem is, what things. And then in verse 20, he unfolds this Cleopas, uh, 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 okay? He says, and how the chief priests, verse 20, and our rulers delivered him, Jesus, to be condemned to death and have crucified. But we trusted that he had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And besides all of this, today is the third day since these things were done. So that places them right now walking from Jerusalem Emmaus on Sunday. That's when that event happened. That's also, that's why Luke is a little bit confusing now. That's what we talked about before we read from verses 44 on. If that goes all the way through, and then he appears in Jerusalem when these guys are in Emmaus, Jesus is, is discovered. They see who he is, boom, he's gone, okay? So then they run back. I know they ran. <laughs> They ran back to Jerusalem, go upstairs into the upper room, which is locked, and they begin to, to display their story, and all of a sudden, Jesus is in that same room. So the same day, that night, if you will, I'm not going to say that. It probably would have already been early, early Monday morning Jewish time, because it would have been after 6 o'clock, we got a new day. But nonetheless, in that time frame, Jesus Christ just appears into that room, and he appears to the 11 disciples. I'm sorry, no, it's not 11, is it? It's 10. That's right. Who wasn't there? Thomas. Doubting Thomas. How would you like to have gone through all of history because you weren't in one place one time and then you didn't believe them because they, you just, I have to see. I have to be able to put my hand in that side. I have to put in the nail prints, right? So one week later, Jesus appeared to all 11. Okay? All of that has taken place before the event that we're speaking of. No, no, they're not. 
No, because here's where we got to go. Okay, keep that thought. Let's go back to Matthew now, okay? Let's go back to Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. This is the parallel passage to what happened on the Great Commission from Matthew's standpoint. So where are they at, according to Matthew, when this commission is given? Verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had, appeared, had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them whatsoever... I'm sorry, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. That's the same time frame of which Luke is taking place. Now, he's telling them in Luke to tarry until you you get the Holy Spirit, okay? So they're going to have to go back to Jerusalem to get that done. Does it make sense? No. Okay, very good. Very good. Now, the really cool part is, is that Luke is not nearly as, as interested in time frames as he is in structure. Now, what we'll probably do next week, that's where we're probably going to go next, is jump from Luke right into Acts. Guess who wrote Acts? Luke. So what you're going to see is you're going to see how this all comes together from the, the Gospel of Luke into the book of Acts. And he actually talked, in fact, let's go to Acts chapter 1 for just a moment, when it won't be long, but Acts chapter 1, and take a look. He doesn't even mention not one word about the time frame between the ascension of Jesus going back to heaven, and the resurrection. But look in here in Acts, written by the same guy, about a year later. Acts was written about 61 A.D. Uh, The book of Luke was thought to be about 60. There's about a one-year period between him writing those. So let's just pop into verse 3, chapter 1 of Acts. To whom also he showed himself alive, speaking of Jesus Christ, after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days. That's the time frame that Jesus was appearing to those after his resurrection and before his ascension. Now, in verse 8 of of Acts, you'll see literally that Luke is going to bring us up to speed. This is in Acts chapter 1. We'll look at it maybe next week. That that is the ascension. That's the last time frame of which he's looking at. Okay? That would be toward the end of it. Okay? Sort of? Let's... uh, where did we, what did we talk about? Oh, availability. Availability. How available are we? How available are we? Depends on the day. Depends on the day. And maybe even the part of the day, right? Yeah. Situation. Yeah. Um, did you guys see anything in that, especially Matthew, did you see anything in there where it said, if you feel like it? It said go. Just go. And even, even in the Greek, it's like, since you've gone, right? You've, 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 you've already gone, and then teach and preach to the na- all the nations. The number one most important thing that Jesus Christ wants us to do. Now, where, where did that start? Was this a brand new thing? Did Jesus just, did this just come off the wall and he just... Made this up and said, okay, this is it, guys. I've done 33 years of work. I've come to seek and save that which is lost. Now I want you to do the same. No. The Bible from front to back is literally God seeking. Let's go to Genesis. Let's go right back to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 9. Let's go way back to Genesis where all the trouble started. We've already kind of made allusion to the fact that in the afternoons, 
God was walking with Adam and Eve. Wow. And then those first seven verses of chapter 3, everything fell apart. Everything fell apart. The garden was fantastic. Adam and Eve were, I mean, can you imagine the tranquility, the peace, the joy that must have been in their lives being just shoulder to shoulder, I mean, with God? I, 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 it would have been fantastic. And then here's the serpent. And he, they trade their God for themselves. And it's been going on ever since. So what happened then? You tell me. What happened? They sinned. What happened? What did they do? That's, how, that's really how they literally, Satan got him to buy the lie. God doesn't love you. He's, he's, he's holding out on you. You can't trust him. Look at that. He won't let you. What, what do you mean he won't let you eat of that tree? How unfair is that? And they, yeah, whoa, I never thought of it that way. Isn't it amazing how Satan can turn your mind? And then after you've committed this, how, why? What did I do, right? Me got a hold of I and away we went. But what did they do after they sinned? They hid. Went and got some fig leaves, covered themselves up, and hid. That's what sin does, doesn't it? And what if, let's just step into God, not, you know, I'm just, for a moment, just be who God could have been. How's that? Adam and Eve. And you know all of this has happened. God's not, uh, well, saw that coming. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, it said he saw it coming. In fact, he decided to have Jesus Christ be the one of which we would be chosen through before he made any of it, right? So it's not, it's not like new information. God knows everything there ever was to know before there was anything even knowable. He knew it. I don't know if I did a good enough job, but that's infinity at my best shot. What would have you done? <laughs> Let me start over. You know what God did? This is so cool. This is, a, this, is, this is Genesis, right after they sinned. He's looking for them. He's seeking them. Where are you? Where, where are you? Isn't that what salvation is? Where are you? Those that are trapped in sin, somebody that, that, that resists the gospel, you know, they, I've, 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 I've spoke at funerals, which a funeral brings in people that probably don't want to be in church right. or be anywhere to talk about God, but they're because they're, re, they're respectful of the person of which you're memorializing or whatever, they're there. And you know what? I, there's people that are squirming when you talk about the Bible, and I will never do a service without speaking from the Word of God. That's the only assurance. That's the only hope I could possibly offer to anyone there. That's where they're going to get it. And I'm going to do it in a soft way because I'm going to let the Spirit do the work. It's not up to me to do that. But faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. My job is to shed, spread the Word. That's part of teaching, isn't it? It's part of going out to the nations. I love, and, uh, that's a whole other thing. But at any rate, there's people that are just, boy, I wish I could go to the bathroom right now just to get out of here, right? Why is that? That's what sin does to us. We want to hide. We want to get away from it. And here's God. Adam, where are you? Where are you, Adam? Right? Look at Revelation. Let's go back to Revelation. It's all through the entire Bible. Let's go to Revelation chapter 27. No, you will not find Revelation 27. I'm sorry. Revelation 22 and verse 17. If you do, does anyone have a Revelation 27? You have the wrong book. You have the wrong book. Revelation 22 and verse 17. 
And the spirits and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst, Come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. And that's the whole message. Come. Where are you? 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, And God would that all would come to repentance. Right? He wants all to come to repentance. Isn't that beautiful? So here's Jesus. <laughs> he's wearing the prints, and he's wearing them for eternity. And here's the baton. Paul. You See, Paul, you guys were here. Everyone that's trusted Christ, you're right there with those disciples. This isn't, that chapter isn't over. It's not been written. Not been fulfilled, that's a better word. It's written. It hasn't been fulfilled. You see, Paul's job, Bill's job, Carol's job. Now, again, you can't do this job with having trusted Christ because the first and foremost thing is, where are you? I love you. Where are you? See, in every one of us that's trusted Christ, Linda, I love you. That's what God's saying. Come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Where does the rest come through? Jesus Christ. As he spread his hands, his arms, there's so much love that I can't even describe for you. From the front of that book to the back of that book in the Bible, it was all about Jesus Christ coming to seek and save those that were lost. Seeking and saving those that were lost. What's amazing is you can't pass a baton unless you receive it. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and all of the things that the Old Testament spoke about that would happen to Jesus Christ happened. If Jesus Christ had not risen from the dead, well, there'd be no baton to pass. If there'd be any one of those prophecies in the Old Testament that he had not fulfilled, there's no baton to pass because then the word of God is a lie. And that, that's an oxymoron, the biggest one I've ever said in my life, right? But you follow what I'm saying? Everything had been fulfilled so that Jesus could get to that point sometime during that period between resurrection and ascension and literally being able to pass that baton now to his disciples, those apostles. Now, you talk about a daunting task. You, you were available. That's step one. This is, it's the same for us today. Where does God want you? And with, I met with two young men this week, both of them trying to figure out where to be. And it's amazing. That, that, that's, I've shared that with some of you. My burden is for these guys that are, I'm going to say, 20. It could be 18, could be whatever. But you get it? They're, they're out of high school possibly, maybe not even out of high school. But they're beginning to make their new way. And it's not just men, it's women as well. But, but these, these men, to me, are burdened because they're going to be leaders of families. That's the family unit that's been destroyed in America. That's why our, our country is in such dismal shape is because Satan attacked the family. And if you don't have strong families, you certainly can't have a strong church. And without strong families and strong church, your nation is doomed until you return back to God. That was probably not in my notes, but it's living large because that's what it is. And so these guys, really, these two guys in the way, it just happened to be two that night, and they're from, I'm going to say, 20 to 25 or 6, right? There's things that God, I can tell, the longer we talk, there's just three of us, and they, would, they talked about things that, I said, where are you going? What's up? What do you think? Where's life taking you? And there was a passion there, but they weren't doing anything about it. It was like too big a hurdle. It was too big a wall. It was too much. And by the end of that evening, on each one of their cases, we'll see how they perform. Because we're going to meet again. Because I'm encouraging. I said, God, I can tell. And one minute I said, I can tell exactly that that's where you need to be right now. Not because I know, because God is telling you and you're telling me what God is really sharing. 
What's holding you up? Well, I've got to get my to-do list. I get, no, 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 no. But go ahead and make it, but I'll go through the to-do list. Right now, the thing that's coming out of you is God's to-do list for you. I didn't say it anywhere like that. It was very soft, but it just, right? Isn't that for all of us? We have these to-do lists and God wants us somewhere else. And the other young man, he's in a career that's doing really well. Larry, there's, I just feel like that's not where God wants me right now. I said, where does God want you? And he told me. I said, get on the phone. Make a phone call. You tell me what they said this week. That's what's missing in these guys, these 20 to 30 to 35-year-olds. Satan wants them to be an island, out in the middle, just floating along and drifting. No communication between themselves. We made more progress with three of us in this room that night in their lives, not because of me, because God was working in their lives, bringing together. The encouragement happens when we are together serving God that's what church does. And our mission, get out in the world and teach and preach to the other nations and bring them to Jesus. Am I too over the top? Oof. Isn't that good, though? That's our mission. That's our mission. That's our burden. Now, it's overwhelming, right? Were you, were, you, were you there in Galilee on that mountain when Jesus showed him? He said, I want you guys. Now, I believe there was more than just the 11 apostles. There are, because did you see it said some doubted? I'm not even sure what they doubted, but a good chance is they would have seen him from a distance. They probably doubted it was him. Because it seems like at the end there's no doubting going on. But I'm not, I can't be dogmatic about that. But the point of the matter is, I believe we have a lot more here than just 11 apostles. Because Jesus told the women, remember that? We read it. Told the women to meet in Galilee as well. Remember the 500, let's go to uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm not sure this wouldn't be the place this would have happened. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, let's go there for a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. My, my point is when we're all said and done, there's not enough people to really pull this off, which is just exactly the way God wants it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and let's start in verse 5. That he, Jesus, was seen of Cephas, that's Peter, then of the twelve. And after that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once. Now, that's not 500 people. That's 500 brethren or believers, yes, or disciples. Uh, very high likelihood because Jesus had, it seems he culminated this meeting in Galilee. I think those 500 were there. I think this was the culmination of those disciples that were available to go see Jesus where he'd asked them to go to give the Great Commission. Doesn't matter. Is it 600 people? Is it 500 people? Did you see what he just said? Go and go to the entire world. Make disciples. And that word for disciple there in the Greek, well, first of all, let's, what, what is a disciple? Are you guys a disciple? You're a little scared, yeah. We would say a follower of Christ, correct? The word that's used here is actually more intimate than that. There's two words, there's two thoughts that are put together. Learning or a learner and believer. So it's like a believing learner or a learning believer. Do you see the significance of that? When someone's truly saved, guess what they want? They have a hunger for the Bible. They have a hunger for more. They want more and more and more and more. That's the idea. 
Now do you see where the teaching capabilities of the local church or of an individual, teaching that new person more about Christ, letting them yearn for more truth, and yeah, there's some more, there's some more, there's some more, feeding them, feeding them, feeding them. But again, the mission behind that is bringing more into Jesus Christ, into, into God's fold, seeking and saving those that were lost. How many were lost? All of them. I don't know how many people lived on the earth at that time, but let's just, I have no idea. I haven't even thought about it. So this is going to be just totally just out in the way, because it doesn't matter. Let's just say there, was, there wasn't a billion people, but let's, what, let's say 500 million. I don't know. Why am I even thinking about this except to say this? We have, say, 550 people that are seeing Jesus. And he says, I want you to go to all nations. Now, again, isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? He said to start in Jerusalem, because that's where the Holy Spirit's going to come. That's where I want you to stay. I want you to go there. I want you to be in Jerusalem, because that's where the Holy Spirit's going to come. He's already told them that before. But that's to the Jew first. But I want you to go to the whole world. Think back to the Tower of Babel for a moment. Did God want to make all of those different nations? No. But they wanted to make their own God. So the only way to solve it for the time being was to give them different languages and to split them up. Did you see right here? God has no nation above another. He chose the Jewish nation, the Israel, to be his witness, to be that nation that would literally be the missionary to the rest of the world. He said, in fact, let's look at this. Uh, are you back in Genesis? No, of course not. Let's go to Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. Just think of this. Again, God with seeking those that are lost. Now, the Lord said, chapter 12 of Genesis, verse 1, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, and unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Jesus Christ came from that family, and literally the entire world would be blessed. Salvation could be available to every single one of those that would trust Christ. That's amazing, isn't it? Amazing. But think of the dauntingness. 550 people, uh, just take a shot. Say it's a billion. It's just a nice number. One is a really nice number. They must have looked. How are we going to do that? What? We, what? Where? How can we do that? Just exactly where God wants you. How does your week look coming up? Mine looks like a wreck. Another 15 below, right? I mean, we've got 500 calves on the ground, probably another 150 coming. We're in so much trouble, we don't even know how much trouble we're in. But you know what? It's not my deal. I'm going to do everything I can do. I'm going to, again, remind God a lot that there's not my stuff. You own the cattle on a thousand hills and beyond, and I'm here to be, tell me what you want me to do. Tell me how to do it. Tell me what you want. You know, it makes it easier that way, doesn't it? You try to do it yourself, guess what happens? Even if you see it, it doesn't work, right? It doesn't. It's a spiral. And it's not up. It's a down. For anyone that's not here, I was not spiraling up. I was spiraling down. Whew. That's daunting, isn't it? It's daunting. But you have to be available first. Say that again. Three zero zero million. For what, what was the when what? Jesus was alive? That's how many people. Three hundred million. Earth. Fair enough. See, a five hundred million was probably either way. So let's work with Carol's number. Three hundred. Three hundred million. You got five hundred fifty people, and I'm I'm making it big because were the five hundred there? I think they were. 
But to have 500 believers at one time, think about it. Wouldn't that be the perfect place for them to be? Yes, I think so. 550 to 300 million. That, my friends, is getting it done, right? Do they think, what would have been the census of the, if, what, do you, what do you guys think about that? Oh, that'll be easy. <laughs> of course not. Of course it won't be, right? But you have to be available. That's key. Are we available? Are we available? Now, the other part that we see there that's going to be very, very important for us is what are you focused on? What are you focused on? So we have this, I don't, did, did, who, who gives, was this Carol and, uh, Larry and Carol gave us that? That sign, that little, um, who was that? I think, I think Karen, uh, Hutchinson had a card. Oh, okay. Karen and, uh, Karen, Karen Hutchison, yeah. Someone else. And that's a word, I mean, I have, from when I first started teaching the Bible, wait, even when we're in Cardwell, that's, people would say, you're the focus guy. You love the word focus. I said, focus is us. We have to be focusing on God. If we're not focused on God, we're going to make our problems really, really big. See? And I can, like I, told, I just told you this week, if I, if I really focus on, on calving at 15 below zero, it's going to be a really, really big problem. And I guess I'm going to have those moments, just like you said, depends on what day it is or what moment. Yeah, you get overwhelmed. I'm human, right? But if I can come home and I can dig into the Bible and I can be encouraged and I say, wait a minute. No, no. My eyes are not on this. My eyes are on my father. My father owns it. My father has it. My father's in charge. My father has all the power. He has all the authority, has everything needed to do what he wants to get done. I just need to be where he wants me. That's my job. Right? Boy, I made that easy. How can you forget that? It happens, though, doesn't it? Where were we going? Where was I going with that? What was I just... Ah. Availability. Where were you? Oh, I know what we're doing. Focus, we're focus, 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 focus. Let's write some words down, right? We better start writing some stuff down. Do you notice we're not probably going to get this done today? Availability. It's the most important ability. So I'm trying to tell these young men that I, that I run into. You know, I just told you one that didn't work out so good now, but you know what? I wanted to encourage him that the next place he lands, and I told him, one of my, I said, you've hit a wall now. You felt you're overworked. That's a wall. But next time, you're going to be able to be a little higher on that wall. You're going to now know there's a place to get over that one. You're going to find another one. But use your talents. Be available, right? Bring it. So that's one. Number two is focus. Now, there's another word we're going to probably use with that because it makes our mission so much stronger. And I'm going to use it in a little bit, little bit of time. But I'm going to tell you about a story. This is a true story. I don't have a guy's name, but he was... He served as a chairman of an elder board within a church. And people would call him once in a while and ask for spiritual, uh, con- um, what should I say, counseling, okay? And they would have a spiritual problem. And they would call it go something like this. Sir, um, could we meet with you? We've got a spiritual problem. And it's, it, it, I, I just, if we could just talk to you, it'd be, it, it would be so helpful. He said, absolutely. He says, bring your checkbook. Well, why would, why, why would we need... Why would we need, why would, what, what's the, ch- he says, no, just bring your checkbook. Well, um, if you don't mind him asking, what, what's that about? He says, well, we want to find out where your treasure is, because if we can find out where your treasure is in your checkbook, then we're going to find out where your heart is. If we know where your heart is, then we can figure out where the spiritual problem is. Now, I don't think the guy does a lot of spiritual counseling with that kind of asking of checkbooks, right? But he's right on. He's spot on, absolutely spot on. Where's your treasure? Jesus said, you will find your heart. Your heart will be right there. Your checkbook and your calendar will tell you who you're focused on. 
It will tell you who you're worshiping. That's the other word I want to use here. Because what you're focused on is what you're worshiping. That's what's worth, if you will, what you're worshiping. What are you focusing on? Now, again, I'm not trying to make anybody guilty here today. I have, I, 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 I'm as guilty as anyone of getting exactly where God wants me to be. It's little steps. I'm giving everything I can of what I know I can. And when he, you know, I pray, take more of me. Use me where you want. And it's amazing in my business, in the cattle business, how many people I run into that say, that was, oh, that was great. See, you can, be, you can be where God, you don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be some type of a missionary that, because you're a missionary right here, right where you're at. There's some, some churches, other than they have a, a sign, you are now entering the greatest mission field in the world. Wherever you live, that's it, right? Manida, you're a missionary. For wherever you're at, you're a missionary. Where does God want you? Sometimes he wants your, in fact, of this, that, that checkbook deal, what are you spending your money on? Maybe God wants you, to, who knows, right? Have you ever been somewhere there's just a burden? One of the guys I really respect is David White. And I, I hesitate to mention names sometimes. It's, you know, but David is so cool in the fact that he's so, he's so injected into just where God wants him at, at that moment. He's one of those guys that you're eating in a place, and before the, as the waitress comes, he'll, sometime in that he'll say, is there anything we could pray for you and your, and your family? Or, I mean, she's melting, right? That's what we need. See, that's what we need. Are we focused on the same thing that Jesus Christ was focused on? Are we seeking to save that which was lost? Not us, but are we sharing that message? How many people need to know about Jesus today? A lot, right? That's enough already, isn't it? Just wars. It's like it's heavy, isn't it? Right? It's heavy. Well, from these two, and so far, have you noticed? That's really nothing has happened yet, really. These are things that are behind obedience. These are attitudes. See, those guys would have never shown up at Galilee if in their mind, in their heart, they weren't available, right? There's another one that caused the... These are all, these are all attitudes, and that's submission. God, what do you want from me? How can I better meet the mission? How can I fit into the team? How can I be part of what you want me to do here where I'm at? You have me here, at least for this period of time. I'm here in this time. How do I fit into that? And that takes us then to the fourth one. We put those three together, and then this one is the easy one, right? Obedience. See, those young men that I met with this week, they were struggling in putting into action. See, it took, you had to put your feet in gear, and you had to walk from Jerusalem to Galilee. Even after you decided, yeah, I want to be available. Yeah, I want to be focused. Yeah, I'm submissive. But you can do that still standing here, right? It's the taking effect. It's the walking, the living, if you will, that puts you in that place where God can use you. You're still daunted, though, isn't it? It's a daunting task. Let's read that again. I'm, maybe it gets better if we read it more often, right? Let's try it. To see if the task gets smaller. You're still in Matthew? The 11 disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appear, appointed them. When they saw him, 
and they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. Now that seems wow. But there's some good things. He starts and ends with the thing that is amazingly important. Because you're not the one that has to supply the power. Because that's truly his power that makes it all work. Did you see how it started? He had all the authority. Read that again. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. <laughs> Go you therefore. Because of that, you know, you know my rule on therefores? Find out what it's there for. Go back. It says, because I have all power in heaven and earth, you can then go. Because of that, you have everything you could possibly need with my power. Did you see something on that? And some, I, sometimes you don't see stuff because it, you miss it. But It says, baptizing them. Now, again, baptism. Have you ever seen salvation in someone else? You have to be careful. Let me, let, me let me say it differently. I'm, I don't hope Because what I want to get to is I want to see the purpose ultimately of baptism. Okay? Baptism does not save you. Make sure you understand that clearly right now. It does not save you. Either that or the thief on the cross that Jesus said, Today you will be with me in paradise. He did not get baptized. The Romans did not bring him off the cross, cut the nails off, go get him baptized, and throw him back on the cross. But baptism has an incredible importance because could anybody looked at that thief? This is going to work out. That thief and say, you know, I see salvation. No. No. But when that man that in that case sits Jesus and him nailed to a cross, it's a permanent thing. And he said, today you will be with me in paradise. Do you believe he's in paradise? I absolutely do because Jesus Christ said it. It's in the word of God. Period. But let's take us. When we trust Christ as Savior, the way for us to show salvation, to prove to the rest of the world, is when we take a stand and say, I, in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of God the Father and of the Holy Spirit, I am being fully immersed into Him, in His death, burial, and resurrection, and it's Him and Him alone that I trust. That's the purpose of baptism. You're baptizoed. You're identified with Christ. The value is more for us than anyone else. But it's not regenerative. Water doesn't save you. If it's that simple, well, in fact, there's cults that go around and they're baptizing graves of dead. Give me a break. Where is that? Now, that's another key component to studying the Bible. We've been talking about it in our men's Bible study that first and foremost, it's Scripture alone. Traditions, opinions, whatever that is, have no bearing in regards to the Bible. Zero. You can have an opinion, but it has no weight comparative to the Scripture. Show me from the Bible in context of where stuff's at. But did you see something here? This teaches the Trinity unbelievably. It says baptizing them, identifying them. These are people that want to give identification to this Jesus Christ in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. See what it doesn't say? Let me try this on you. 
baptizing them in the names of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Let me try this. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Ghost. doesn't say that either. Why? We have one God, one name, three personalities. And that per- Again, look at how the Scripture is so beautiful. Lays it out there. Does it feel like you're getting the whole load today? <laughs> God's Word is so full, so enriched, though, isn't it? Our mission is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the other thing that we sometimes, even in the midst of the battle, even in the midst of when, as I think of what Leslie said is so true, which day, right? And for me, which parts of the day? It's so easy, isn't it? Because we're human. The flesh side has still got power. That's a study we'll probably be going through with some of these young men, is which one are you feeding? Feeding the flesh side or the spiritual side? That's the one that'll get the biggest, the one you feed the most. What are you taking in your ears? What are you, what are you eating? What are you drinking? What are you smelling? What are, you, what, are, what, are, what are all of your entry ports? What are you engaging in? You're feeding either the flesh side or the spiritual side. One of those two is getting bigger, depending on what you do. What are your habits? What is making you check your check? What are you spending money on? What's your calendar? What are you spending time on? Isn't it amazing how revealing that stuff can show? It really is. What are you feeding? Who are you feeding? Up until you saw the power and the whole world is the mission field. It's overwhelming, isn't it? Even though I told you that you have the power of Jesus Christ. You have the power of God. We could go into Romans and we could get excited. Chapter 3. And, oh man, Ephesians is such a great book. You just feel pumped up. You're more than... Okay, more than... That's a foreign verse, apparently. More than conquerors, right? Not just a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror, right? But there's one last thing, and this is the one that I could wrap the whole thing in. And he leaves us with that. I'm going to read it one more time. Jesus came and spake unto them, verse 18, saying, All power, not some power, not half power, not quarter power, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go you therefore because of that and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all... This teaching is so important. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, remember this. I'm with you always, even to the very end or the culmination. <laughs> and it's interesting. And until I come back, I'm with you. Now, I know this much. I'm strongest when I know that I'm weak. Amen. And when I know that Jesus Christ is with me and the Holy Spirit lives within me, and he nourishes me through his word. It's all possible, no matter what you're in, to meet the mission that he's laid out for us. Now, again, let's not make it too big, not make it too extensive. We're part of that team, if you will. Maybe it's just 
you know, some of the some of the things we have going for us now. You know, look at the our, our iPhones, the internet, uh, radio. I mean, we're able literally to broadcast into nations that don't want anything to do with the scriptures. I'm saying, you know, the nation that I've been thinking about because we've been take, uh, just started a, a study in Colossians, the city of Colossae, which would be in in uh, in western, uh, basically southwestern Turkey. They've been, you know, massive earthquake, and that whole area, that whole country. There's a Muslim, I was going to say Muslim infested, but it's 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 Muslim dominated country, and yet you know what? We probably can't send. Easily, we can't send in personnel, we can't send in a missionary, but we can send God's word through airwaves, through the internet. Isn't it amazing the communication devices that we have that can literally break through these walls and allowing people the opportunity to trust Jesus Christ as Savior. Now, we know that not everyone is going to get saved. That's very, very clear in the scriptures. But the point is, Jesus died for every single one. That is amazing to me that God loves this place, this world, that people so much that everyone was died for. That's love extraordinaire. Questions or comments? When you referred to those, back to Genesis, when you referred to those two young men you're talking about, and also with us, <clears throat> it's in Genesis I was talked about uh, God said, if you shall not eat, and so you shall, or you shall surely die. One of my Bible studies or commentaries stated that when Eve said, well, she said, well, when you should, before they were sinned, you should, the serpent was tempting them. And, they, and he said, uh, Eve said, well, she added, you should not touch it. Mm -hmm. then, he said, then she said, lest you die. In this commentary I wrote that lest was in the original Hebrew, the term "lest" the, the, in the place it, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that it's, it's, it's an uncertainty. And Eve was thinking like what the world is telling us: don't worry about being focused, because God really wouldn't. Dying is not going to be part of it. Let, he said the original term for Hebrew for "lest" isn't. Same as surely die. It could be, maybe it could, maybe right. it couldn't. Right. And, and the world's telling us, like those guys you're talking about, hey, uh, you know, I, I don't need to be focused, maybe. I can just, the world says, do what you want. Yeah. And the other thing is, is when we don't know the Bible exactly, we do what Eve does, and you add to or subtract. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it didn't say She's making to touch it. She make, actually made God a little, a little more of a what, what should I say? Um, someone that you couldn't, that didn't really love her, that yeah. you couldn't really trust. You know, he's, you can't eat of it, but hey, really, you can't even touch it, right? I mean, what? Right? You see it? That's why understanding what the Word of God says and means is of utmost importance. Because Satan, can, he did it with Jesus Christ. I mean, think of this. What would have that huddle been like? Satan and the demons getting together. Let's see, well, we've got Jesus on board for tomorrow. Um, he's going to be tough. He's going to be tough. So we're going to have to somehow trick him using the Word of God because he respects that. I know where that's where we're going to end up going. I know that's where he's going to go. I know it because he is the Word, right? So what are we going to do? I think we take it out of context is what we do. 
Let's take it out of context because then we got him. Let's make it say, I mean, if you just take it out of context, huh, well, that's what that says. How many cults have done that to unsuspecting people? This is what it says in this verse. That's why go back, find out what the context is. Jesus, he would have none of it, would he? And Satan's, that's a great plan. I'm going to try that. So three times he goes to Jesus, tempts him, and he basically bases it on a scripture verse. Jesus didn't have no part of it. He went right back to the Word of God in its context and said, sorry, buddy, that's not what it says. That's what we have to do. That is the perfect example for us. Perfect example is watching the Master, the God's Son. Think of that, Emmanuel, God with us. He used the very scriptures that we have and more to ward off Satan. And he is, he's a lion roaring, seeking who he may devour. You know, you, know what the, you, know, you know what those boys wanted to do a study on? We're going to start this week. Spiritual warfare. I say kudos. They recognized it. They recognize their weakness. I sort, of, I sort of helped them along a little bit, but I mean, I said, sounds like you guys are doing, you got some spiritual stuff going. What, 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 do, you, what, what do you think? Spiritual warfare? Yeah, so I, I helped a little bit, but but isn't see see what I'm saying? That's part of part of meeting those needs. We as older generation, those of us that are older, it's the younger guys, right? Reach out, and and it takes time. It build you know build a a narrative, if you will. Be part of them. Show them you care, right? Sometimes just listening, just listening, let them share. And one thing is absolutely true. You have to make sure that they have trust in you. Number one. But think of what Jesus had trust in us. He trusted us with spreading the gospel. Wouldn't there be a better way? You know, ultimately, I'm sure there is. But that's not God's way. Because the more that we shed, uh, more that we share it, the more people that come to Him, the stronger we become as well. You said something really important there that I was reminded of, talking about your attitude, your availability, focus, submission. Then you said obedience, and you used the example of they had to walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus. You realize how many times we're told to walk. Yeah, Paul, Paul loved it. Paul loved it. Walk after yeah, this. Right. Walk as you have Act received. living. So, walk, so yeah. I ordain walk in all the churches. Look up that word walk. And yeah. it has to do with being obedient. And how many times walk in the Spirit? Right. Yeah. yeah. As you receive Christ, so walk Ephesians. in Him. Ephesians. I mean, Paul is just, it's rich with that. Yeah. And walking is living. Living. And you can't live right unless you're thinking right. If you're not thinking, you can't think right unless you actually have the truth right. Okay, I'm tired. You guys are worn out. Anything we can add? I think we're, I'm, I'm, I'm actually thinking about just taking from Luke and just going right into Acts. It seems like this, it's just a place for us to go. It really does. It just seems like it. We just continue on. Because where we're at today in America, in the world, what we've just, what we've just on canvas today, just peel this back, 
This was maybe new information for the disciples, but did you see? Now, this is really, really, this is really cool. He didn't tell them this first. I just thought of this right now. He didn't tell them this first. Let's go back to Luke. That's where our text was. Let's go back to, to Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. The first thing he did was he told them that the words that he'd said to him were in the Old Testament. And then verse 45, that, that, that verse I see totally, totally as huge. Then he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. After that, he told them this. He gave them the mission. Isn't that true? It's so beautiful. So beautiful. Okay. Anything else? Any comments? Questions? And for what he, does, I haven't spelled presence right, have I? I can't. Does it look right? It's not. What did I do wrong? Don't need this. Oh, yeah, there it is. Scent. See, I'm thinking sense, smelling. Yes. Yeah, I don't need that. How's that? I think you're right. It looks dumb now that I took it out, but it's... So, so six things. If you want to complete the mission, be available. If you're not available, nothing's going to happen. If those guys wouldn't have showed up in Galilee, there was no instructions at all. Nothing would have happened. Zero. What's your focus on? Boy, those are some serious personal questions, right? Pull your checkbook out in your calendar, look them over. Now, whatever your career, whatever you're in, you know, you don't, that's fine. God uses you to touch people in those areas. One of the things in the ranching, in the ranching thing that I have, the availability I have to, to well, I'll just, I'll just share this one quick little story and then that's it. Um, it would be hard for you guys to even imagine if I just was just a pastor how many of these ranchers that aren't affiliated with any church whatsoever? And actually, there's an undertaker that if they don't have a church, he tells the family to call me. Because he's, Larry's, he's, he's just a rancher, just like you, know, you are. That's a huge advantage. Now, I can't do anything for the person that's passed away, but I can open the scriptures to the family. You see, my point is this. It's not, it's not where you're at. It's are you focused on his mission? Because it changes everything, doesn't it? And am I submissive to that? Will I obey? The power and presence of Jesus Christ is more than we could possibly need. And make, I, I'm going to find that verse because you guys look quizzed when I said more than. Let's go to Romans for a moment. And we'll stop here, I promise. Uh, not Romans. We're going to go to Ephesians. Ephesians, and I will find it. Dun, dun, dun. I think I will. No, I've got to go to Romans. I can't find that in Ephesians. I'm thinking of that great prayer. That's maybe where we want to be. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's do this. Uh, let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. Wow, wait, this is a great place. This is a great place. Uh, verse 14. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you, 
being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and height. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen and amen. Father God, what a fabulous way to end a session of where literally Jesus Christ is passing the baton to his disciples, those followers of, him, of you, Father, and of him, as just as he had given his life for people that needed forgiveness of sins. He's asking those disciples to give of themselves, to go out into all the nations so that they would know the availability of salvation. Father, I pray for our world. Eight billion people and growing. Multiples, multitudes of those that don't know Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Father, through airwaves, through television, through the internet, through an iPhone, any way possible, Father, speaking, writing, for the gospel to be elevated, to glorify you. There's no more glory that you receive, Father, than one turning their life over to Jesus Christ. The ultimate glorifying moments as one more joins in the hallelujah chorus. Father, some of us may be unsure of where and how you want us to be. But we do know this, when we are acting in glorifying you in everything we do and say, that you will be faithful to complete that work of conforming us to the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. What more fitting than to carry out the thing that Jesus came to do than for us to be conformed to the image of your Son. Therein it takes care of itself. Father, we need help from you. We need encouragement. We need the power. We need everything that would come from you. Help us to be available. Help us to be focused, to be worshiping you alone. Help us to be submissive. So as obedience comes when we're focused on you. Father, all of the power in your presence so that we would have the fullness of God as we've just read. What a blessing. Keep us up when we're down. Fill us. Mold us and make us what you want us to be. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. I wanted to pray, pray for Turkey and Syria because...